0: Uh, and you know, it is a very interesting that when you read in the Bible uh, about how we're called to live, uh, that we're never called to be Lone Rangers, that we're all called to participate in communities and, uh, uh, and to, so to speak, roll up our sleeves and make a difference where we live in the, in the lives and, uh, of the people around us, uh, whether it be encouragement or exhortation or counsel or correcting or whatever it might be. I, and and that is uh, very interesting. You know, remember, uh, uh, I think it was well just last week we talked about uh, uh, what um, what freedom is, and we said that we live in a world where freedom equals rights. You know, I have the right to just go off by myself. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. That is not the definite, That is not the Bible definition of freedom whatsoever. Uh, it is to be able to to uh, serve a God, free to serve. It sounds like an irony, or uh, you know, it sounds very inconsistent, but it is. We're free. Uh, we're free to serve. You know, this week's Torah portion uh, is very interesting in that way, in that when the Jewish people came out of Egypt, uh, there was there certainly was a freedom. But if you notice from what I read and from the Torah this morning. This is uh, a classical um, Torah portion, a classic uh, Torah parsha, because this is one of those um, uh, portions where you have several chapters of like a laundry list of laws, you know, one after the other. And sometimes we look at things like this and we say, what is the rhyme and reason of this? Well, you'll have to come to the Torah study to really understand that. But uh, there is something here. We're going to look here in chapter 24 at just a few verses and make a couple of comments. And then we're going we're gonna to move over to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Okay? And we'll see how these actually relate to each other. Okay? All right. So uh, in verse... Um, actually, uh, there's a few... Um, Here, let's see, which one do I really want to... Let's go to verse 14, it's fine. Okay. Verse 14 of chapter 24, Deuteronomy. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of your aliens who is in your land, in your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it, so that he may not cry against you to the Lord, and it becomes sin to you. Father shall not... Uh, shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. You shall not pervert the justice, do an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment and pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. So, uh, these verses that I just read uh, are just emblematic of these three or four chapters, that have all together to do with showing dignity to people. Showing dignity to people, taking care of, of poor people, orphans, widows. Now, we live in a world, whether we realize it or not, as bad as we might view our world and how evil and rotten and terrible and sinful it is, our world has been affected by these kinds of verses. We don't even realize it and most people don't even, most people don't, don't realize it because uh, today orphans and widows, we would not say uh, are, uh, are destitute and on the streets and that's just the way it is. We would never think that, oh, orphans, well, that's just how it is. They just live off the streets. They don't have parents, so that's just how it is. We would never. We have an entire civic structure uh, for uh, whether how bad or good it may be of helping orphans and widows and poor and and destitute people. But in the ancient world, it was not so. In the ancient world, if you were a woman and you were not married and you were older, you were in big trouble. And if you were an orphan, you were really uh, uh, in big trouble. There was a good chance you would not live a very long time if you were a destitute person. And certainly if you were a foreigner living in the land you were really uh your life was really in danger. But here we read just in these verses that those people who are vulnerable, orphans, widows, aliens and strangers need to be cared for, need to be shown justice. And that in terms of of uh, uh, of our Um, uh, whether we're accepted or not, is based on our own actions and not the actions of our children or our parents, right? But we sort of stand on our own two feet in terms of how we live and how we act and and our responsibility and and so on. What's very interesting is, though, uh, the rationale for all of these great verses about care uh, and human dignity, right? The rationale is given in verse 18 when it says, but you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. You're free. You are free, and so therefore, you have a responsibility to others. Wait a minute. That doesn't mean, wait a minute. If I'm free, that means I don't have, if I'm free, I don't have any responsibility. If I'm free, I can do whatever I want as long as, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. I can do whatever I want to do. I'm free. I, I, and so why are you telling me I need to, uh, it's sin for me. If I, if someone works for me and I don't pay them on time, it's sin to me. Do you realize I am free to pay someone on time? It's what the, it's what the text says. I'm free. To care for orphans and widows and aliens and and poor people. I'm free to have the responsibility to care for others. That is what freedom is in in very practical, everyday terms. Freedom is serving the Lord because, uh, as we know and as we've read and from other passages at other times and as we even see it here, uh, that uh, we're serving God when we serve others, right? We're loving God when we love others. We're free to love others, and the focus in all this entire portion is given the given the uh, cultural context in which the people lived in that day. This was radical. This is a radical way of life, caring for even people you conquer. Wow. I mean, who would be the most vulnerable person but a, but a woman taken as a captive in war? ay ay You can only imagine. But here, very specific a guidance is given in these situations. And people are not to be taken uh, advantage of. Uh, and people are indeed to be cared for. And we are free to be concerned about other people. That is what we read in the text here. So, turn with me now over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. All right. In Ephesians, you know, Ephesians is a great book. They're all great books. Ephesians, though, speaks very much, in, in a way, to our world. Basically, what Paul is doing in the book of Ephesians... I, this, is gonna, this might sound a little different from what you may be used to, I don't know. But at the beginning of the book, what he's doing is he's like sharing about the new covenant and how the Messiah has come and how Jewish people uh, I, uh, now, uh, as, the, uh, as the remnant of Israel, can uh, enjoy the blessings of the new covenant. And then as uh, chapter one is working its way down, he says, and you too, you too, who are, who are not Jewish, you too can participate in this. And the proof of that is the presence of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God, as a pledge. Right? And then he talks about how you who have been far off have been brought near, and how we're one in, the, one in Messiah. There is a... a, a we are we are one in the Messiah, but we still maintain our identity because he continually refers to these people as Gentiles. In the context of Ephesians, he's not talking about at least in chapters one to three, he's not referring to Gentiles as pagans but as non-Jews. You know, he says you who are he's talking to believers, you who are Gentiles have been brought near. We're one in Messiah. Well, after all that is said and done, and you come to chapter four of Ephesians, he says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of a calling." With which you have been called. What he's going to now do in chapters 4, 5, and 6 is explain to these people who knew nothing about the Tanakh, who knew nothing about the Torah, knew nothing about Moses, who knew nothing about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, knew nothing about Deuteronomy, knew nothing about the Shema, that now he's going to explain to them this is how we live. When you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, And you embrace the Messiah of Israel, this is how you live. And what we would say here is, what he is inculcating them is a Torah way of life. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. So the first thing he says is with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So he makes a big deal right at the beginning here of saying how we live, of saying that we are a unity, that we, uh, we do not entertain just uh, going off on our own, that it is a communal existence, that to walk in a manner worthy of a calling is to live in community, to be in a communal existence. And uh, and then he says the way we do that, humility, gentleness, patience, these are things that are like the fruit of the Spirit. When we live this way, we can live with each other. And, uh, and we can put up with each other, frankly. When it says showing forbearance to one another in love. Tolerating one another. Putting up with each other. We're all different. We're all people of clay feet. At some point or another, we're going to do something that, will, uh, that, could, offend, that could offend us. But we want to ensure that we are not offendable, right, as brothers and sisters in Messiah, by being built up in the Lord and having received the forgiveness of God, we are quick to indeed forgive one another. And then it says in verse 3, being diligent, working hard to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so, I, I, as a Messiah follower, because... Uh, we are entering into a relationship with God, we're entering into a relationship of unity. We don't we don't create unity, we preserve it. Okay, very important. Unity comes with the territory of knowing the Lord, but with our human nature and our feet of clay and our flesh and our sin and all the baggage uh, that we have, we can destroy unity by our selfishness or by our uh, maybe... Um, uh, unfortunate definition of freedom, you know. I, uh, my rights in this congregation are this, and you can't tell me what the, I'm. You know that kind of thing. Uh, I, and so, it is very important that we um, that we understand that. So, living in community—that's the main point—is living in uh, a community. And Paul describes, you know, oneness, oneness, this uh, community: one Lord, one faith, one immersion right? One God and Father of all who is over all. And then then he talks here, then he he shifts gears a little bit. And then in verse uh, 11, if we go all the way down to verse 11, he talks about uh, uh, what we are supposed to do. We're not supposed to just simply look at each other and be say, hey, isn't it great that we are uh, in unity, a differentiated unity? I'm you, you're me, and now let's go and um, let's go out and eat or something. You know what I mean? It, that uh, sometimes that's good enough for us. Sometimes it feels like that's good enough for us. That the goal of being here is simply to feel good. That the goal is to be in a place where uh, you know, uh, people will accept me uh, the way I am and so be to feel good. And that's the end of the story. Uh, that is a club. A club serves that purpose. When you join a club, you are like-minded people with perhaps something that you have in common, and you enjoy each other's company, and, and there you go. You know, like a, uh, like a bowling league or something like that. You know, uh, we enjoy each other's company, and then afterwards we go out, and we, and we have a good time. I would suggest that, well, we should feel satisfied and we should enjoy being here, but that is not the goal. That is not the purpose. It's not the goal. Okay? Very important. So we read here, beginning in verse 11, Paul says, God gave different kinds of people as gifts. Like the people are gifts. And they're gifts to the community for the purpose of equipping the believers... Use the word saints, but equipping believers for the work of service to the building up of the body of the Messiah until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature person, I'll say, a mature man, but a mature person to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Messiah. This is one of those sentences here that goes on forever. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love were to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Messiah, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Okay. So the goal is for us to be, as a as a community, to be conformed to the image of Yeshua. For us as a community, to demonstrate who Yeshua is to the to this world, and that means that we we teach correctly. And notice, there's a, the emphasis on learning. There's an emphasis on learning. Uh, when you look at the people who are the gifts. You read apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What they all have in common is that they all uh, teach something. They all inculcate knowledge. The goal, though, is not like, this is not uh, Beth Messiah U, okay? It's not Beth Messiah University, nor is it Beth Messiah Seminary, okay? No, we are a community of people, but learning, being a disciple means to be a learner, means to be a student. Yeshua uses the term. And so part of that is learning. That's why, that is why our Chavura groups that we have are important. That's why the the message is important. That's why the early morning on Shabbat uh, uh, Bible study is important. That's why the Torah study is important. Uh, And of course, that is, oh, and sisterhood, and brotherhood, and what have I forgotten? Yuna, okay. But, I, I since we were talking about children's education, wow, what's more important than educating our children? Not just so, they uh, can repeat something back to us, but so that they can grow up, literally grow up, to be mature men and women in Messiah. But all of us are continuing to grow. We're all in a, we're all children of God, right? Whether, uh, we are, whether our, um, age is very young or our age is old, we should all see ourselves as, of course, lifelong learners, always in the process of becoming. Not to get a degree, but to grow up into all aspects of Messiah, to be able to handle life well. And certainly in the culture we live, for us as Beth Messiah congregation to be a beacon of light, like a beachhead. You know, uh, in this crazy world that we live and how important it is for children, for us to have children of all ages constantly growing and integrated into every part of the congregation. Very, very important. So when we talk here about equipping the saints for the work of service, it doesn't, mean, doesn't say here in my Bible, it doesn't say ages 21 and over. Okay, or once they graduate from high school. This applies after high school. But the only thing that applies to children is verses that uses the word child in it. I disagree. I believe that children, if they know the Lord, equipping of the believers. Well, we have plenty of kids who have made professions of faith and know the Lord, or, or at least are growing. Maybe they haven't not quite yet come to the place of lifelong commitment, but they're growing and learning that we need to recognize that God has raised up people in our midst as gifts, not with gifts. That's not what he's saying here. Uh, The people are the gifts, like to be unwrapped and then to be able to serve, to equip the believers for the work of service. We want to equip our young people, our college students, our teens, our middle schoolers, our junior congregation, whatever age, you know, and on and on up, all the way up uh, uh, to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord in school. Serve the Lord in the neighborhood. Serve the Lord at home. That we need to get out of the mode of uh, copying the educational system. That, uh, you know, until kids graduate from high school, then they're not really functioning adults in the congregation. That is wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Okay? You know, if we use the synagogue model, we could say that once a a young person has a bar or bat mitzvah, or in our case, bar or bat avraham, they're considered an adult. You know, if you're 13 and above here at Beth Messiah, you can join the congregation. Conceivably, according to our polity, someone that's 15 years old could Lead a committee you could be in some form of leadership somehow. We do not have age limits other than uh, you had to be a member of the congregation and you're a member of the con- you can become a member of the congregation when you're 13 years old. We need to think in those terms. If you are in the service today and you are a high schooler and you're here in the service, recognize that you're part of the service. It's not like you know, I, uh, well, until I graduate from high school, I can't really be integrated into the things we do here. That is not what the scriptures teach. And we need to empower our kids in their heads and in their hearts and in their hands that, you know, you, you can serve the Lord in marvelous ways. Uh, and you can grow, and you are part of all, all of, uh, all of that. You're part of that, uh, part of that uh, maturity. Okay, you're part of that fullness of the Messiah. Uh, and so, whether I, whether it's me or somebody in seventh grade, we all need to be growing up in all aspects into Him. All of us together. Okay. And then it says, you know, look at verse uh, 16. From whom the whole body, uh, the whole body, the whole body is everybody. Not just uh, over 18 years old. Not after you have a driver's license. You know, uh, after you're 16 or 18 or 21 or something like that. It doesn't say that. Okay? The whole body being fitted and held together together. "...by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body." Do you realize, if that's true, that means that if if you are 12 years old, and you're not really walking with the Lord, that it's not the proper working of each individual part. All of us need to be walking with the Lord." All of us have a responsibility before God to, uh, given where we are in life, to be walking with Him and to uh, appreciate the authority in our lives, whether we're talking about the elders or we're talking about Hebrew school teachers or uh, Shabbat school teachers or youth leaders. Uh, We all need to respect those authorities and we need, as those Uh, who are older, we have a responsibility to pour into our younger people. And do you know that you read, and I'm not going to take the time to read the verses, but if you're an older man, you're supposed to be pouring yourself into younger men. If you're an older woman, you're supposed to be pouring yourself into younger women. Uh, And you know what I like to say, in fact, I just said that to someone this week, that anybody younger than me is young, right? Right? So, young doesn't mean uh, 12 and under. You know, in the UMJC, for years, for years, we've been talking about raising up the next generation, the next generation. Well, we started talking about that probably when I was uh, maybe uh, 40, okay? Or, uh, yeah, probably about when I was about 40. We started talking about raising up the next generation. So then there was a next generation. You know, I was thinking like, uh, you know... Um, Maybe, you know, my children or, or something like that, who uh, at that time were, t- you know, teenagers in that realm of, of, uh, of time. Okay, that, that could be the next generation. But as time goes on and we keep talking about the next generation, there's generations, right? And generation after generation after generation. Uh, and, and so we have a responsibility to, to all who are, one might say, just younger than whatever age you are. And just think, the older that you are, the more important it becomes then. As a Stuart Dowerman uh, said in a seminar that he taught this past summer at the conference, we need to, see, we need to move from aged to saged. I thought that was very good. You know, Uh, and that uh, if you are older, wow, you have a big responsibility. Think of all the people that that are younger than you, that you can speak into the lives of. Right? And so we all have this responsibility. A functioning congregation is not simply a congregation of receivers, but a functioning congregation is one of givers, one people who pour out their lives into other into other people. And since uh, Andrea and Henry were talking about young people, what a great focus that is. But I want us to understand that it's not just about classroom. It is about classroom, but it's not only about classroom. It it is about pouring our lives into younger people to grow generations up so that there will be uh, a Beth Messiah congregation uh, in the future and not only of people who come in horizontally you know what i mean who come in at you know as adults but wouldn't it be great to have generations of young people who decide to continue to live in columbus to be here who grew up here and become parents here and uh, become shamashim and elders and and rabbis here that's what we're growing up but it takes all of us to to work on this. And so I would admonish us all to take this seriously. I could go a thousand different directions in terms of application about serving in the congregation in varieties of ways. That when someone asks, here, I'll just say this, when someone asks you to serve, I hope that there's more, that the weight, I understand, I understand, certainly, that there are life issues that get in the way. I understand that. But I hope that the weight of the answer leans toward yes. You know what I mean by that? In other words, I understand. I'm not going to get up here and say the answer must always be yes and then guilt you into it or something like that. But I hope that the weight, that the that the normal answer, so to speak, might be yes But every once in a while, perhaps I can't because I have something else. But that the norm might be for us to say, yeah, how can I serve? How can I serve? And when it comes to children, wow! That, you know, do not think that you are not qualified uh, to teach kids. Okay? Like I said a few minutes ago, even if in the classroom situation you feel at the end of it, what did I really accomplish? You know? We really what do they really learn and I'm not, I'm not really good with kids and I am you, know, you know what you are building it whether you realize there is the unspoken language there is there is just the interaction that you have that you are making a difference by taking the time and the opportunity hopefully if you have time motive and opportunity you can commit the crime right of serving the children, uh, the youth, the teens uh, at Beth Messiah. I, I hope that uh, you will seriously uh, uh, consider that and recognize the importance of it because, you know, it, uh, it is interesting. Uh, in Mark uh, chapter 10, you're familiar with this. It says, And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuke them. Can't you just picture that? I can picture that. We do that all the time. Get, get, you know, get these kids out of here. You know, he's, uh, this is Yeshua. This is the Messiah. Uh, you know, uh, come on, parents. Uh, quit being so pushy. Uh, uh, pushing your kids up here. We got important things to do here. Right? And so Yeshua becomes indignant. Right? He's like irritated by this. Okay? So when Yeshua saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I'm gonna, And then it says, Truly I said to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child does not enter at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Now, you know what's really important about that is, first of all, the fact that he takes them in his arms... And he blesses them. He really meant that he wanted the children to be able to come to him. They are not simply an object lesson to teach that we all need to come to him like children. Yes, he says that, and we do need to come to him like children, but he really takes them in his arms. He doesn't just say, and so therefore, you know, children are, uh, you know, children are good. And and they need to be able to come to me. Okay, kids, I'll talk to you later. All right, good. Okay. No, he really wanted them to come to him, and we need to be like that. We need to think, wow, I want to interact with kids because they are great. Wow, and don't we learn a lot from each other? And uh, and, and so, boy, if you are a uh, if you're a middle schooler here, you're a teen. We appreciate you guys so much for being here because most kids your age aren't here. Don't come to a place of worship. Don't spend hours on a Saturday morning coming to services, you know? It's great that you're here, and we appreciate that you're here. And we want to help you to know the Lord and to grow up in in such a, a way to empower you to serve. Because do you realize that you are the future leaders of this congregation? Yeah, the world, but other people can tell you that, all right? But of this congregation, maybe you are going to be a rabbi here. Maybe you are going to be a shamus. Maybe you are going to be an elder. And you see, we need to be thinking that way. And so I would encourage us all to say, wow, what a great opportunity to serve. And now here's another thing. Don't think that you have to know everything in the Bible. Here, let me give you an illustration. Those of you that have ever taught like a Sunday school class in, in, a, in a church, how many of you have ever taught a Sunday school class in a church? Right? Did you think that in order to teach a Sunday school class in a church, first I have to uh have um I, I, I need to understand uh, uh Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic uh in order, in order to teach this Sunday school class. Now, of course it's good to know those things, obviously. But to teach us, of course you didn't think that, right? And let's face it, sometimes when you're teaching, uh, you know, uh, 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 teaching, just uh, just use that, a Shabbat school class, you just need to know a little bit more than what the kids know, right? To be able to inculcate it uh, 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 to them. So when we have Hebrew school, if you have taken... Uh, an MSI Hebrew class, and you know the letters, and you can pronounce them with the vowels, and then you can like put simple words together and say them, you can teach Hebrew school at Beth Messiah, okay? So I hope that we really appreciate that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, that we are, we are part of what God is doing in this world and even at Beth Messiah, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And God has, called, God has called you to be here. He's called you to be a contributor. Oh, how I would love to talk about our finances, but I'll save that for another time. But God has called us to be a contributor, to contribute our time, our energy, to empower others. And boy, if we want to see a, move, a movement of God in our midst, we're not, God does not do that with pew sitters. He does it when we participate in the program. When we participate, when we have the zeal, the drive, the desire to serve, filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, there is no ceiling on that. And so may we recognize the calling in all of our lives, that we are part of the body and that every joint, every aspect, everyone in the body is a contributor. May we realize the significance that each of us have in the lives of others. And may we inculcate that into our youth. And hey, you guys, you know, there's even people younger than you, right? And so let's think, if you're a high schooler, wow, how can I be a role model maybe for kids in elementary school? How can, I serve? How, how can I serve in that way? And not only that, but even go in the other direction. How can I offer to volunteer just to, to help do something? When, when, uh, when Howard gets up there and asks for someone to help, you know, in some capacity, there's no age limit. Maybe I should say, oh, I'm willing to help. God will bless your willingness. God will indeed bless us as we are a community of servants of slaves of messiah yes we are free in messiah and so therefore as we said at the very beginning we've been redeemed out of egypt we've been redeemed by the lord we need to remember that and as a result we now are free to serve others let's pray lord uh, god we thank you what what a privilege lord so many people sit on their couch and watch tv and wonder what they should do with their lives. So many people, when they retire from a career, go through a whole identity crisis. they say, who am I? If I'm no longer that doctor, or if I'm no longer that teacher in that school, or if I'm no longer that truck driver, or if I'm no longer that, whatever, that salesman, or, then what am I? Lord, thank you that when we embrace you, and we're part of a community of Messiah followers, we have significance to the last breath. Lord, may you use each of us to make a difference in the lives of others, to teach others, to inculcate spiritual disciplines in others, uh, uh, to help uh, us all learn lifelong lessons that we've learned over years of living and, and knowing the Lord. Lord, uh, and God, we do pray Lord, that you would indeed bless us. And I do pray for us as leaders, Lord, that when people say, I want to serve, that we might be able to be creative enough to figure out how to allow people to experience their freedom in Messiah by serving. And Lord, may it give us great satisfaction. And God, we pray that as a result of that kind of attitude, that you would pour out your ruach upon us, Lord. In, in ways that we would never, ever anticipate. God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. In Yeshua's name, amen.